Welcome to the latest edition. This is the Visions and Towns podcast. And today I'm speaking to a friend of mine who is in South Africa. He studied engineering. He'll tell us which part, but he's actually also an engineer in the field of agriculture because he actually focuses a lot on hydroponics. And but at the same time, he is a researcher. Part of his work includes uh, looking at whether the plants or whatever edibles they make uh or plant through hydroponics do they sort of have same um organic um nutritions compared to one which is coming from straight from the ground so apart from that he's a very great reader so much of a reader and of which this is part of our conversation that we're having today but he's also a cyclist and an athlete. He does so many other things. I don't know whether I'm presenting him very well, but welcome a friend of mine all the way from Johannesburg in South Africa. Dumi Bule, what up? Yeah, hey, hey, Dr. T, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Did I present your bio hey. accurately? <laughs> oh, you were shocked, like, is this really me? <laughs> I, I I was shocked because like I, I you know you you hardly think about all the things that you do right. and you, you you always talk about them in silos. So to me hearing you like uh, talking about them all at once, I'm like, yeah. hey, is this me now or what? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's 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 pretty much accurate. Uh, yeah, I studied mechanical engineering. Mm-hmm. Yes, so that's the background that I had. But I ventured into agriculture, specifically in the agri tech space because i had a lot of interest in farming but then i thought to myself no let's look at a certain aspect of farming that will also complement the skills that i've acquired from university so that's how i landed into hydroponics farming so yeah i think the the bio was correct yeah so you call it agri-tech you call it agri-tech and i call it i call it uh, agricultural engineering what's the difference between those there isn't much difference i i believe it, it's more of a wedding so basically f- for me it's more of i make use of technology as well to better how we farm and all those so hence i use the word agri-tech but you are using agricultural engineering which in a sense is still that way because the engineering part is what brings up the tech uh, aspect of it so i think they they are both correct the terms that's beautiful there's no difference much into them yeah i want us to sort of dive in quickly into today's conversation i know that me and you can actually talk about too many other things and judging um by the fact also that i missed you i've it's been a minute i've seen you when i was that side for holiday i couldn't even get a minute to meet up with you so we can actually talk about too many things but i have to keep myself um disciplined and also honor your time let's talk mainly about books you've actually been reading books at what age would you say you started reading and and i'm asking this question because i think now you are actually much more of a a high reader it's more of a culture and you can explain to us uh in addition to when you started reading as to how is it more of a culture at this particular moment okay so i think officially i started reading at the age of 19 I think I was just fresh out of high school. That's when I started reading. And what made me to start reading was I always saw my brother, you know, you know, when you you, you look up to your siblings and that guy like is, is a thinker uh, at, at, at heart. So I always ask myself, what makes this guy think like this? I need to, 
try and do what he's doing. But then that's when I realized that, no, he reads a lot. Then I asked him, no, can you borrow me one of your books? And he was excited to do that. That's when he borrowed me. I think my first book was Rich Dead, Poor Dead by Robert Kiyosaki. I know it has a lot of hate in the streets, but yeah, <laughs> that's the first book that I read. But before that, I've been doing uh, some sort of reading, but you know, when you're at school, it's more of the reading that you do because you it's English. They have to now grade you on the things on a prescribed book. So because of that, for me, I always viewed reading as a burden, as something that I have to do for me to get marks, as something that I'm forced to do. But it's only after metric that I started to read and to understand the benefits that you can get beyond just getting good grades at school. You see, so I think reading, it should, for me, I believe that everyone should have a sort of skill where you, reading is not just about marks, it's not just about getting grades, but it's a lifestyle thing because you cannot just solely rely on your traditional schooling for you to learn. So the minute you look at other things like reading for fun, reading to gain extra knowledge, be it in your field or outside your field, I believe that's where the real impact of reading gets to be uh, for a person. So I believe it's supposed to be a culture that we all uh, yeah, and I mean, you're right in saying that, but I think some of our challenges that we face, I mean, I saw a couple of months ago, the statistics of uh, young people, pupils in South Africa, you know, the reading uh, percentage, a lot of them cannot sort of read for comprehension. And it's ex it's exactly the same thing that you're problematizing now where people want to just read for the sake of getting marks. But what I wanted to say is that part of the problems that we have is that we hardly have people that we can say they inspire us mostly in our community, especially the black poor community. And I could be wrong because you're from a different context than where I grew up. Um, so not having people who read around you where you can say you saw somebody reading, that can actually also affect one as to whether you are you going to grow up and tap into the culture of reading or not. And how, how do you, what do you think about that in terms of what I said? Do you think where you grew up, there is really people who can inspire um, young people through it being a lifestyle, seeing people in your immediate home basically reading? No. Uh, so one what, what thing that I've noticed is... Uh, it's not inspirational or it's not something that's out there to see people reading either than reading for school purposes. So we don't have much of people to look up to uh, in, in our communities when we are growing up. So I, I think I was fortunate as well to see someone just next to me, which was my brother, but I can ask a different question to say now, if, if he wasn't next to me, I'm not sure if I was going to gain so much interest in reading. So I think it's it's a problem that you are facing and it's something that you have to look at. I'll just give you an example. Uh, you know, when I'm, let's say I'm at the mall and then I'm trying to use the ATM and I'll be like, ah, let me just pass time because there's a huge line. Let me just read a book. People will look at you weird. Like, I don't know, it's like you are some sort of an alien or something like that. So such things, they just speak into how we are viewing a reading as a, as an activity, you know, but then when you go to other places that are more advanced, uh, you see some middle to high income places, you, you find people in the train station reading, you find people in their cars reading, you find people waiting in the queue reading, and uh, we don't look at them in a different way. But when you go back to our hometowns, it's more of, they don't even give you names, you know, 
saying, yeah, you think you're a nerd or whatever, whatever. So yeah. we need to really change that narrative if we want to have a, a reading culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just to be precise about what I had said earlier on, the statistics shows that about 81% of uh, pupils in South Africa, which is probably about 8 in 10, could not read for comprehension. I mean, that's actually horrendous. And the statistics that were released earlier on in the year. So at this moment, how how is your reading culture? I know that during COVID, when we had a chat, you could read a lot of books in a short space of time. How is How is your culture now? Uh, so, well, the culture is still there. I still read a lot. Uh, it's just that I, I stop keeping track of how many books I read in a year and stuff like that. Because usually, like, I'll set myself a goal and say, I want to read, like, 30 books this year. But then I realize that the, the problem with setting such goals sometimes is the fact that you prioritize finishing books more than just the art of enjoying and the art mm. of digesting a book. Because you'll find that I want to read 30 books or let's say I want to read 50, 50 books, that's almost like a book a week mm. in, in a year's context. But then you find that now you have a very big book that you need to really digest. But now you are busy reading and you are looking at the clock. And because of such things, now you end up browsing through the book instead of like critically reading it. So I stopped looking at that. But the reading culture is still there. It's just that I have I have now moved my focus from the type of books that I'm reading. So I was back then i was just reading like personal development books that's what i was focusing on but then right now dr t is just a matter of just enjoying reading you know i'll read a personal development book or i'll pick a fiction book sometimes i'll pick books about politics so anything that comes to my mind and interests me i just read so i think lately especially this year it's been more about just keeping the habit going you know just make sure that every time everywhere where i am i have a book and i'm just reading and I'm not that too too critical now of the types of books that I read. Because one thing that I've noticed also, you know, with personal development books, like if you look look at maybe books on psychology or any aspect like productivity, you find that once you read a lot of those, now they start sounding the same. You yeah. know, it's just that the only thing the only thing that's different now is just the writing style. But when you read the book, like you can see that now the gist of this book is like the person just summarized X, Y, and Z books yeah. and wrote his own book. So because of that, I try to broaden my reading scope so that I keep the love going because at some point you start to get bored, mm. you know, so that that's how it has been for me. And since I've been doing that, like I've been loving reading and all that. Yeah. So for me, the culture, I think right now I'm more on that tip. Mm-hmm. What's your strategy in terms of selecting a book uh whether this is the right book or not first in terms of yours and then secondly if yeah maybe let's start with first so that i don't overwhelm you what's your best strategy to select a book okay so my strategies my strategies they differ based on the type of book that i want to read you see so for example if i want to read a biography or an autobiography uh, so what i'll do in that instance is i always try not to look for books that are written by that specific author. So let's say, for example, I want to read Nelson Mandela's book. I will try not to read a book written by Nelson Mandela uh, because, you know, in most cases, you find that authors, they have that uh, commitment or that obligation to present themselves in the nicest way possible. Mm. So by doing that, there are a lot of aspects that they might exclude that are going to make them look in a bad light so because of that I'm, I'm always trying not to start with those books when i'm narrowing down the books that i want to read uh, 
and then i'll do what i'll do is i know there are usually some biographers who are very good at writing books like for example you look at the likes of walter isaacson <laughs> he writes uh, biographies for prominent people or people who are influential in this world so i know that uh, we look at people like walter isaacson he is not biased when he's writing a book he'll just write a book about this person and you'll make what you make out of it whether you think this person is a good person or a bad person but at least you got the whole scope of the book so i like to read i like to look at books like that so for example let's say i'm going to now read a book by albert einstein mm-hmm. i'm going to look okay going to search which books were written by albert einstein or which books are about albert einstein and obviously if there's a book written by albert einstein personally i'll put it last and then i'll just look at who are, from the biographers that i hear which one is the most reputable biographer in terms of uh, being non-biased good writing style and such things you can get sometimes from just reading a lot of reviews from people you know there are people who are known to write like reviews you know when you go on your good reads they write like unbiased reviews and then you'll be able to see by reading a collection of them to be able to make a decision on which one is best yeah so usually that's how i i do it yes mm. but then so, that that's in the context of autobiographies right right yeah because i was keen to, i'm keen also to find out sorry for cutting you because i see you still wanted to go on but i was keen in on that very same note to find out whether if you read a book that is written by somebody else who's an editor whatsoever the case uh and it's an autobiography maybe um about the person who's still alive do you at least sort of try to chase what is the views of the person uh that they're writing about in relation to the style and the way in which the person has been presented in a book i'm thinking of for instance there's a number of books that are written by about you know uh political leaders in south africa and these are not necessarily you know autobiographies but they're just politics books let's take for instance yes. jack pa- powell's book on the president's keeper which actually had a whole lot of horrendous things to say about the former president jacob zuma and you'd know obviously that there will be a little bit of that pushback to say this book is not presenting me as accurate and whatsoever but in terms of autobiography when you do that kind of work uh looking at work that is not written by the original uh person himself or herself do you at least chase also feedback from them as to how what what's their thought what's about the book yes that that's a very critical aspect to also look at uh because for example like when you look at uh authors basically what i'll do is i'll say okay this one is written a book about certain political figure but then now you must go and look to say what his political views just on a broader landscape is he like a pro anc is he like what does he really focus on as a politician what are his views because when you look at that obviously that will also tie into the bias that he brings into the book you know because as an author if you have your your, your views and your views they are publicly known like you put them out there be it through blogs and stuff like that there will always be a certain level of bias that you bring into the book whether you like it or you don't but then the other problem now is sometimes you might find that yes we know your views but you are not bringing them into the book but now because we as the readers now know you as, as someone who has a certain political affiliation we will then now anything that is small that looks like a critique will then just balloon it to say no you are saying this because obviously you are anti black or you are anti white or you are anti this so it's also part of a tricky thing to look at but yeah it's very important to also look at what the biographer believes in 
mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so so mostly i'm i'm glad when i come across just a biographer whose role is just writing biographies is not politically affiliated with right. anything or not, not expressing their views on politics just people who saying i'm a writer and i write people's biographies i believe those are the best biographers uh, to really consider yeah actually you're right that's the right phrasing i kept on saying you know someone writing an autobiography because biographers are actually written by somebody else autobiography is basically you as an author who especially if it's a memoir most likely to be written by you as an original person um yes um i think so outside of autobiographies or biographies themselves how do you select other genres okay so let's say for instance personal development those types of books are mainly fueled by me as a person saying this is an aspect of my life that i want to sort of improve on so for example maybe let's look at uh my interaction with other people so i look at books that talk about the skills that of having conversations or skills of interacting with people and then i'll have like a huge huge like uh, i'll say a group of books to choose from and then you narrow them down one based on reviews so that's one thing that i use even in that aspect but then reviews you don't just look at like maybe one type of review like maybe put reads reviews or you look at all of the reviews because i feel like when you look at all the reviews they give you an average of what everyone thinks of the book you know but then you don't just do that that's just for me to narrow things down but i actually go to a bookstore and you actually pick up the book you know so when you pick up the book you know there are systematic ways to skim through a book that speaks into the writer's presentation of the topic it speaks to the writer's uh, writing style also so you look at the, 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 the obviously the title of the book i'll read probably the back of the book and and i also go through the table of content because that part gives you a skeleton of what the book looks like so you'll find that maybe the, the topic the first one is maybe productivity and then after that it will have subtopics so those things will give you an idea of how the author is trying to present the book to you because i what the last thing that you want to read is to find a book that is that one doesn't have a good writing style it's badly written you know because some people they might have like a very good title of the book but when you read the book you find that it's a total opposite of it so when you go through the the topic by topic you look at how he listed the topics and actually go to an extent of looking at like let's say a first paragraph of any subtopic in the book it will give you usually that part gives you an idea of what the whole chapter or the subchapter is talking about so like you read that and then when you browse through that you'll be able to get a feel of how the book looks like or what the book tackles and then from that point in time you you'll be obviously doing that for a couple of books that you have selected as possible options and then you pick the one that you feel like it's well presented and then that that's how I go about like for example personal development books and do you check whether the person who's writing you know uh, developmental type of books they themselves are a living testimony of what they're writing about because i think with me i've uh, and and this is not mainly in terms of uh developmental books self-developmental books i'm I'm not really much of a fan of self-developmental books for whatever reason but <laughs> Why uh, for um uh, i don't know i think i think i was just not a fan of people who write things like 10 ways to do this 10 ways to do that 10 ways to do this 10 ways to do that um okay. i'd rather sort of maybe listen to what they're saying in a podcast and speech that and then if i find that it's fascinating and it's worth my time really to touch the book then i'll do that and 
And I guess my, my okay. part of critique goes exactly to what you said earlier on, where you feel like this is just a replica of the other text that I've just read. So you're spending a lot of time just reading a repetitive kind of work. Uh, I'm not really much more of a fan of that. But in terms of scholarly work, I also tend to do this, maybe uh, get so much interested in the author themselves. Um, okay. re research a little bit about them so that if I'm reading something from uh, which is which is theorization, I can have a bit of an understanding whether the theorization is it really far from certain uh, subjectivity. Uh, is it really an objective theorization or it's also intertwined into with, with their own personal experiences, you know? Um, so for instance, if yeah. you are to listen to or look at work such as uh, Marx's uh, kind of communist manifesto, and then you try to sort of have a bit of an understanding that was he himself part of the upper class or not? And what are the chances that if he was part of the upper class, he would theorize something about such as, you know, the communist manifesto to say uh, there's yeah. something wrong with <laughs> capitalism. But all those things, uh, basically for me to look into the author, has a way of sort of also informing me so that I know very well that okay there might be elements of subjectivity even though I might not yes. really hold so tight into that because the problem is that today uh, many people have mastered the art of leaving the argument and playing the man in most cases for instance you hear those who say sociologists most of them are sort of Marxists because uh, they're not making a lot of money I feel like that's very much of a low critique in a sense that you're playing the man than sort of looking at the idea and sometimes not really to say yes. the argument in itself is fully or really off the mark it could be real it could be good but i think to hold on directly to it and make it a sort of a principal argument i think it's very low so to say but i guess my question is to what extent or do you ever do this where you sort of uh put your head around the author themselves to say i want to know a little bit more about the author uh so that i can understand and be able to capture quickly the subjective element of what they're writing about especially if it's more of a political type of a book yeah so usually what i'll do is there are two aspects that i consider uh, as far as the the author is concerned so for example let me just make an example about a book about how to become a millionaire i'm just making up a book in my yeah. head how yeah. to become a millionaire the first thing i look at is yes you're going to tell me steps that i must use for me to be a millionaire but are you a millionaire yourself you know because i feel like those steps they should have been evident in your life as well for you to make those millions you know i think that's the first thing that i'll i'll, I'll, I'll typically look at especially those that have 10 steps on how to 10 steps on how to oh, or you or you're looking did, at you're looking particularly at that sorry or you're looking particularly at that uh whether this person is a millionaire or you are actually writing something that the more people buy that's actually when you're going to become a millionaire i think that's part of the critique that you raised before you, in you, one of our conversations that, in the past <laughs> yeah so that's a scam actually because you find that somebody is just trying to make a a, a nice uh topic by saying how to make a millionaire but knowing very well that that's their way of making their video right so right. it means that there is no proven evidence or there's no evidence actually on the fact that the book works you know so yeah part of me is just looking at the person himself especially if you're talking about a topic of how to things is that applicable in your life are you using it <clears throat> is it working for you stuff like that but also you must keep in mind the fact that uh, people's journeys are not the same you yeah. know so 
a certain author's 10 steps to financial freedom might not necessarily apply to you because of the context or your background and stuff like that. So those are the things to be wary of. That's why I don't like those 10 steps to type because they, it's more like they fix you on these 10 steps, whereas those 10 steps might have worked for someone because of the context that they come from and exactly. stuff like that. You know. So I said that's the first point. I also, I'll, I'll look at the person. But then also, one, one, one of the things that you do also is sometimes I look at the work that the person put into writing the book. Hmm. For, for example, there's a book by Anthony Robbins called Money Master the Game. Mm-hmm. And then I think I think it says seven steps of financial freedom or something. But what he actually did in that book is he went to interview hundreds of entrepreneurs, you know, rich people uh, who have made it in their respective industries and came up with a summary of what he has learned from you know so such a book i'll give you the benefit of the doubt and read because at least i know that even if the information doesn't come directly from the experience of the author but he has also harvested the experience of other authors which then holds more ground than someone who's just writing a book in their back room about how to make a million but he's struggling to get money to print the same book you <laughs> see it becomes much of <laughs> yeah so those are the two things that i look at when i such books you know yeah yeah and and i mean so let's if i can go back to the earlier point that i said i sort of also work hard to understand something about the author so let's say sometimes it's just uh memoirs about people if one of the things that works for me is that the more i sort of uh hear their voice for some reasons, hear their voice, have a bit of idea about their energy, bit of their aura, even though you might not really tap exactly into it. When I go to read the book, it sort of helps me in a way that I hear their voices. Um, it sort of helps me speed up the reading, so to say, and 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 sort of try to imagine and picture their energy in a way that they sometimes say things and whatever the case. But one of another one other issue I wanted to raise on this is um philosopher roland baths who writes his short essay very small pamphlet titled the death of the author so the way in which i also look at another author look at what other work did they do where did they present and whatnot sort of to get the energy to get their voices to get their ideologies and so on and so forth okay. <laughs> it tends to sort of help me to sort of understand when i read their work and i try to sort of gauge myself as to way as to whether Am I more likely to fall far away from what they're trying to communicate in the text because I'm reading the text, you know, while putting forth my own personal experiences in there? So that's basically the death of the author, what Roland Barth says, in a sense that if you take a book and you read it, chances is that when you understand the book, you might actually make certain errors in a sense that you understand the book from your own vantage point, not necessarily from the context in which the author is writing. And this is because sometimes when people write books or uh, or you even write journal articles, once you publish it, you, you, you don't have any sort of power into how much ownership people take of the book and how many things they correct when they're reading the book. So that's basically what I tend to do. Do you ever come across a moment where you feel like, there's a bit of a death of the author in terms of your reading or how do you deal with ideas where you feel like I'm not really getting what this person is trying to say in this particular context. Do you just leave it at there and continue or you sort of do a little bit of research about some of the things they say? Okay. So it, it, it depends uh, on the types of books that I'm reading at that moment. Sometimes you find that uh, you read a book, right? And then once you are reading a book, you find difficulties understanding 
the context of where this writing comes from. When I come across such uh, an instance, that's when I go around now and look at other avenues like YouTube interviews and stuff like that for me just to better understand the author and what they really stand for. But it only comes when I don't understand something. So what I like to do is just to, even if I get the background of the person, right? But not to look at their videos to to get their voices. I know it works for you, but it, for me <laughs> it becomes more of a more of a problem because now I feel like I'm more influenced by okay. the background of the voices that that I acquired when I looked at those things. Uh, so for me, sometimes it becomes a bit of a challenge to pull myself out of that bias now that that I've developed because of that. So I I, I tried not to unless i don't understand something now I'm like this thing is interesting but i feel like this person is speaking either from a point of maybe privilege or from a point of you know you know probably like any biases so from there then i'll go back to say let me just go and look at this person and look at what they believe in but usually i tend to shy away from that because i don't want to read those books with uh, some biases into them yeah. and I actually almost fell into that trip uh, I read a book, you know, the book by Walter Isaacson. Mm -hmm. So it's it's about Steve Jobs. Yeah. So because I'm an Apple fan, I love Apple and all those things. So when I read the book, I always try to consciously stop myself from making excuses for all the bad things that he was doing. You know, all the negative things about his character that they were showing in the book mm -hmm. because I really like the person. So because you like them, you want them to be always in the best light. But I always tried my best not to, to to come back and actually stop myself because it's such things that I'm trying to avoid as well, coming with such biases mm -hmm. into the book. You don't want to fall into the super fan tendency, so to say. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. And on that, on that note, I always say to people, you see, if you're going to read someone's work and trying to be critical, and if you're going to be reading someone's work, especially let's say philosophical work and work that can influence your life. I would say don't read someone's work if you are not at the position to critique them. Wow. Because if you don't do that, it becomes a cult-like relationship. What advice or steps or tricks or whatever can you give to sort of early beginners? What type of books would you say they should sort of focus on and how can they sort of be careful of falling into the super fan tendency? Okay, so I think for, for, for any readers, right, one of my rule of thumb is just try to stay away from books that are difficult to read, especially when you are starting off. So your likes of classic books, you know, old classic books, those are difficult books for you to read. They also, here I'm just speaking from the, the habit formation uh, aspect of it. Those books are going to discourage you. You know, the old English type, the classic books are going to discourage you because they are difficult to read. So you'll find that you'll be you know, difficult for you to get through the book. And once you are like an early reader, you are still trying to develop that habit. So because I try to develop that habit, you know that motivation that you got after finishing a book, that's what keeps you going because you're going to start looking at yourself like, ah, I can finish a book. That's nice. Let me pick another one. And then by, those, by so doing, now the habit starts to form. So look at your easy flowing type of books, you know, the likes of The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. It's more of a personal development book, but it doesn't require deep analytical thinking. And it's also short, so it's one book that you can easily finish. You know, such books, they give you motivation to go on with the reading. 
And then once you start developing or once you advance in your levels of reading, that's when I can say now you can start looking at books now that require a lot of analytical thinking, a lot, a lot of you reading, stopping, and actually thinking about it, critiquing, critiquing that point, or actually affirming it. You know, So those books, I feel like they should come at a later stage. And on that tip, I, I also wanted to mention, you know, there's a book called How to Read a Book. Right. Uh, by by Motima, it's Motima Adler. I think it's one of my favorite books oh, that yeah. I've read. Yes. So I just wanted to share, like he summarizes four steps or four levels of reading that uh, uh, you, you have. So I feel like if I tell you those steps, you'll look into, I'll tell you also that when you get to this step, this is when you should start looking at such books. You know, because the, the problem is sometimes you take the works of Jordan B. Peterson, which I believe it's it's very intense as well in terms of it, it requires you to stop and think a lot and analyze. But if you are not at that level, if you're not approaching reading at that level, it's easy for you to have a misconception of right. what the book actually talks about. You know, for example, you look at the 48 Laws of Power. Yeah, uh, by, yeah, by Robert Green. Yeah. It's a, it's a very good book, you know. To say, I'll just tell you that it's a very good book. But then the issue is, if you're going to take every each and every law in that book as applicable to your life and as correct, then we're going to have a huge problem because there are a lot of things that you can critique, there are a lot of things that you can affirm based on the context of where you are, where you live, and the type of people that you are living with and types of spaces that you find yourself in, you know. There are rules that, yes, they are true, there are rules that you must say no because I'm an X type of person. Let's say, for example, I'm a Christian. Then yeah. you find that no, this is not cannot be applicable to my my way of living because I'm attuned to living in this way and not that way. So those are the types of books that when you're an early reader, try to shy away from because you might not be approaching them from an analytical perspective. And that's when a lot of misconceptions start to form, especially if you've developed a cult-like uh, yeah. following of an author or if if you feel like because the book is published it means everything on it is correct and is applicable because mm -hmm. i think that that's one of the traps that the readers find themselves in just because the book is published and it's out there and everyone is loving it and it has good reviews and stuff like that it, it doesn't mean everything that's said there is true or it's applicable you need to be at the point where you can analytically read it and actually uh, criticize some of the points there and disagree mm -hmm. with them yeah, go on. Sorry. No, no, no. So I was saying uh, the steps that I was talking about, uh, the first step or the first level of reading, they call it elementary reading. Right. Which you started from your lowest grade at school, you know, all the way up to your ninth or tenth, tenth grade. This is where, first of all, you start by making sounds of words, right? And then you combine two words, like B-A, now you combine it, ba, baby. And then after that, you start to read now only to finish a sentence, right? And then after that, it's only then you start to read to understand. When they say a cat is sitting down, then you start to understand what that, that sentence actually means. But in that instance, we are focusing more on sentences to say this sentence means that, you know? So... And unfortunately, this is the stage. I forgot the actual stage, but apparently a lot of people are still stuck on that level where uh -huh. you can read a sentence and you can understand what it's saying. But beyond that, you cannot now move to the next step that I'm about to mention of reading. So basically the first step is more about moving from non-literacy 
to literacy. And it's actually said when you mentioned the earlier stats uh, about mm -hmm. South Africa, about most people not being able to read. So it means we are still stuck at the first level of reading. Mm -hmm. So that was a very uh, eye-opening stats that you've mentioned. So the next step of reading, they call it inspectional reading. Inspectional reading, that's where you try to get the most out of a book at the, at the least amount of time given. So that's more of you are skimming through the book now. You look at the skeleton of the book. Remember how I told you about how I choose some books sometimes where I look yeah. at uh, your table of content, I look at the yeah. subtopics, and then you, you read the first extract of some of the books. That falls into inspectional reading as well. That's where you can be able to say, I don't have enough time to read all this, but let me get the most out of it with the least amount of time. That's a skill as well, but it goes beyond the elementary uh, reading level. You know, and then the third step that you get that's analytical reading. That that's where you see when you're talking about food, there's some food that you just have to taste. There's some food that you have to just eat, and there's one that you have to chew and actually enjoy the taste and so on. That is analytical reading. That's where the gist of reading is, and I believe that's more of the highest level of reading for understanding that you can get because that's where you critically go through a book step by step reading analyzing criticizing affirming you know all those things so that's analytical reading that's the third level of reading and the last level of reading which unfortunately a few people uh, reach that stage and i think that's where most scholars reach they call it the syntopical reading so syntopical reading is where you cross read through books you cross read through through different papers yeah. and through different avenues of reading, whereas you can read a book and read the research paper at the same time and try to critique the two in context to one another, juxtapose them in other instances. So like, that's the highest level of reading, and that's mm -hmm. one that I feel like everyone should as aspire for. But at the minimum, we should all just push to get into the, the analytical reading aspect of it. Right. You see? So, so, so yeah. I'll say to you, okay, yeah, oh, no I'm sorry. Yeah, so I'll say for you to to start reading those difficult books about psychology, uh, you'd see those types of books. I feel like one should be at that analytical reading level mm. where now you can be reading a book critically and criticize it where you need to or affirm it. That's mm. the level that you must start reading difficult books. Before that, let's just develop the habit read easy books you know read novels as well mm. and stuff like that your james clear your uh, atomic habits so it seems like a very easy read and straightforward book but that one also it's a very easy read straightforward and it has a lot of actionable points that you can try at any given time it's actually one of my favorite books by, by the way oh nice while we're talking about that the analytic analytical reading and also talking about the early readers and this is information i've never sort of touched base with you to sort of hear your thoughts about it um but i'd love to hear it officially uh if you listen to basically when you grow up you learn and understand that sometimes you know through reading there's nice skills and development that you can get but again, we hardly speak about the darker side of things, but I don't know whether also the darker side of things is something that should be spoken about to everybody or not. I had friends, they're still my friends. I have friends who are 
pastors and they sort of specialize in things of like uh, deliverance so to say in one of their teachings about deliverance they spoke about how very often the things that we read because some the things that we read there's a way that sometimes we profess them upon ourselves and we're not aware of the fact that we're professing them upon ourselves they've done a number of deliverances over people who used to read books like your harry potter type of books uh sorry to jk rowling's this is not trying to sort of get <laughs> people away from your work um yeah but people who sort of used to read uh jk rowling's type of books your harry potter and also people who used to read sort of um romantic type of texts you know uh, series is people who used to be caught up in a series in terms of uh, uh romance and whatsoever books that has to do with you know the decadence seductions and so on and so forth and 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 because they were reading those the people started to sort of battle a lot in those areas or start to see things flying and so on and so forth this sounds very horrific and sounds like uh, also fiction at the same time i'm just keen to know whether you've heard of that what your thoughts are but while we're sort of also speaking about that in the context of early readers um you've touched a little bit about the hardness which is there in books like uh to fruits for life and you know for the eight laws of power but then how would you advise also an early reader while also being cognizant of issues of spirituality if you will ever touch anything um, around that how would you advise an early reader to sort of be careful about the naivety of saying i want to read this book and see for instance how i can sort of defend myself but turns out later on you actually become the person who uses the text the text uh to sort of attack other people but remember you were reading that text for the sake of self-defense but then later on you you sort of professing and becoming a living testament of the things that you you've read for instance think about you know the art of seduction uh robert green then you find that someone was just reading the book to sort of understand certain things but therefore you become more of a seduction person yourself you exercise that very easily on people sure that's a tough one eh uh but then i want to ask something uh, related to that for example you mentioned the likes of uh, jk rollins uh, the books on harry potter and then people start seeing things flying and stuff like that i'm just curious to understand to see which one is which did you read the harry potter books because you are someone who probably is generally interested in things of maybe witchcraft and stuff like mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. or is it the fact that you read the books and then you start getting interested in them because i feel like it might be one or the other that's a good that's you another know? good questions yeah yeah because how do you like how do you just randomly go and pick up a book on power dynamics if you are not a person who's interested in power from the get-go so i'm i'm not sure which one is which in the in that aspect so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a tricky one but then i would say and still go back to the point that i mentioned earlier to say you know if you can critique someone's work honestly then you shouldn't be reading their books because it means that their books will take them whichever way they want you to you know you are no longer in control now of what you are consuming how is it affecting you and stuff like that you know because you find someone saying no i'm reading for the eight laws of power just for me to be able to defend myself from tricksters who are trying to trick me into some of the things but then you find that the book is not just about defense you know the book also has 
actions that you can take to be a powerful person. Right. You right. know, and even the author himself, he did mention that uh, he's tired of seeing people who feel useless because they don't have levels of power. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not saying to the authors that you need to defend, I'm really writing this book so that you can defend yourself. It's written specifically for people who want to have a certain level of power oh, or to be yeah. powerful, mm-hmm. you know. So by understanding those aspects as well, you, you, you get to understand what the goal of the author was with the book so that you don't find yourself thinking, I'm reading this book to defend myself, but then you find that this book is not written for that, you know. So I feel like also just being critical, you know, just doing your research before starting a book, it will make you to avoid such problems. Because you might find that you are trying to read the book for this reason, but that's not the actual reason for you, the book to be written. So ov- obviously, at some point, especially if you can't critique the author, you will fall into that trap of doing what the author was intended uh, to achieve with the book. So let me just put you on the spot and ask you a very <laughs> uh, <laughs> short question. <laughs> right. Uh, if you were to delete all books in the world and be left with one book, which one would it be? Well, in the context, in the in the context that uh, you believe this is a book everyone should read, I'm not sure if I've got a book that I can say everyone should read. But I'm fond of a small text of Ngungi Ngungi the Younger, decolonizing the mind, and also that might not necessarily be a text for everyone, considering the fact that uh, Albert Mamie points to us that we've got the colonizer and the colonized. So perhaps yes. uh, I'll choose to say for particularly the colonized, perhaps Ngugi were the youngers decolonizing the mind, but not only remain in that text, but maybe much more research just around decolonization of the mind. So at this moment, I'd say maybe Ngugi's text is a small text, very simplified also, uh, speaks greatly about how to sort of decolonize the mind. Because I think a colonized mind also can be so much of a blind mind okay which one would be yours as a, as a as a very great much great reader i would say uh how to win friends and influence people by dale Carnegie. ah uh, yeah i've seen a lot of people holding that text and i was wondering yeah. what's happening with it you want to share a little <laughs> bit what's happening with it yeah so okay the book first of all i have to say that the book has a clickbaity type of title it's, it's more of human interaction 101 i would say you know how to treat people fairly how to be presentable to people so that you can have a, a likable character. And I like the fact that it's simple principles that we tend to forget about, you know, simple things like just when you speak to people, smile, you know, a smile changes the whole thing. Like it brightens up the room. It sets up the, the mood of the conversation in a positive manner. So he, he tackles like such small things. Like if I were to criticize you about something now, Dr. T it's, it's it's actually you're going to listen to me more if I start by praising you. Praising the work, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. So when I start, you see, when let's say I'm looking at your at, at, at your thesis and I'm like, I, I like X Y Z. I like how you presented this, but I feel like here and here and here we could have better phrased it this way and that way. You tend to listen to me more. Well, some people will just you know people can be people they can be different. Some people will just forget about all the praises and just jump to that negative thing but i feel like on average people will tend to be more receptive to what you are saying to them when you've actually genuinely uh, praised them for some of the work that they have done 
So it, it tackles unless, like principles unless like they are hyper narcissists where where if you're ever gonna touch a little bit of a critique even after you praise them, the only thing they'll highlight in here is a negative thing and they hate you for it, forgetting all the other beautiful things that you've said. Because hyper narcissists have got that kind of a problem also. Yeah, that and and I would say that you have no business dealing with narcissists. Just just leave them alone. <laughs> just just leave them alone. Like you, you can't do anything that they are going to appreciate. So those, I feel like it's it's part of the human group that just leave them alone like that. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. But on average, uh, uh, on average, an unbiased person, I feel like that that book will make everyone a better person. Right, right. I w- I'd love us to close very shortly, like super, super shortly, so I can honor your time also. Any parting shot from your side about reading books? Um, and also with a bonus of three books you'd recommend for people out there. Um, perhaps one for early readers, one for, you know, the different categories that you've already spoken about earlier on. Okay, I would say uh, for for early readers, I would recommend that one read a book called Educated. It's, it's an autobiography by a lady called Tara Westover. It's a bit of an unconventional type in a sense that the author is not famous, not known at all. Actually, it's the book that made her famous. But then she just detailing her story of how she grew up in a Mormon family and how she got saved basically from the life that she was living through education. So it's it's a very beautiful book. I feel like everyone should read because uh, it's one of those books where you come to a crossroad in your life where sometimes you have to choose between family loyalty or the ways that the families have made you grow up in and choosing your own way. So that book, it, 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 it's more of a book that gives you courage, you know, to just take that jump. Sometimes you find that the way that you want to live is the way that they've raised you at home, you know, the beliefs and all that. But sometimes you find that they are not. So if they are not, what happens? You know, uh, what are the challenges that you face in, in that aspect? So it just shares the story of her life in that context and it's a fairly easy book to read but also it's nicer when you can like read it critical you know so i feel that that's one of the book the book is educated by tara westover mm-hmm. um i think the second book that i would recommend let me see i would say the atomic habits by james clear mm-hmm. i'd say yeah because it's applicable to anyone's life, you know, you want to form good habits eventually. And I feel like I've read a lot of books on habit formation. And I feel like that's one of the best books uh, that I've read, primarily because it also provides a summary of other works by other authors on habit formation. So like you'll find the fact that it dives more into the works of Charles Dag, who wrote the book, um, The Power of Habit. It simplifies it, but also adds a lot of meat also to the work. So I'd say Atomic Habit is one of those books that I feel like everyone should should, should read. It's a recommendation for me. And let me see the last book. Oh, this one. Okay, yeah. Here's a book that I would like for people to read. 
the book is by why am I forgetting this book? No, just, just, just give me a minute and, and, and I'll tell you what the book is. But also the book uh, it's about a victim of rape. So this lady, she was not sexually not raped, she was sexually assaulted. She was at varsity and she was sexually assaulted. So she shares her journey. Basically, what I like about that book is it will give us a lot of context on this issue that we are facing in this world of gender-based violence and sexual violence, you know, particularly, and this time I'll say specifically to women, because, you know, as people, we don't really understand the impact of the things that we do to people. So the book not only tackles just the sexual assault part, but also what happened throughout the court case, you know, uh, the perceptions of people, you know, about rape victims, you know, the likes of victim blaming, how does it affect the victims themselves? So the book talks about all those things. So I, I, I think that's one book that everyone should read. It, it will get us to understand more the issue of gender-based violence and the impact that it has on the people and the people around them. Uh, I remember the book, the name is Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Have you thought of um, doing a bit of work that can sort of help young people in the townships to sort of improve their learning and so on and so forth? Because the 81% um, of not reading for comprehension is actually children in primary school. The work that I, I, have, I have been doing, and I think you've mentioned something that really challenges me now, is uh, it's just mainly on getting the older people to to start reading so it was mainly on that and i actually on my facebook i have a book giveaway where each month i give away one book to a lucky winner so they just comment if they want the book and then i just make it draw and give one person so that's just for me to keep the the culture of reading going but i haven't really focused on the young ones and i feel like that is where i should really be looking into because looking at where i am right now i feel very fortunate uh, to have stumbled upon reading and i understand that it's not everyone who has that privilege to have people around them who can inspire them so if we can be those people uh you know it, it will really go a long way it'll really go a long way especially if they can start that journey very early to understand that reading is not just about doing it for schoolwork, but also it's about improving you as a better person and can be a habitual thing. I think it's something that uh, it's really of interest to look at. Amazing. Timmy, thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Tim. And have a good afternoon in South Africa. <laughs> thank you. We are about to be hit by South African problems now. So, oh, yeah. well, I wouldn't say <laughs> enjoy those problems. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you, that was Timmy, Timmy Pule, a friend of mine in South Africa, a very great reader. Um, I'll probably share his deeds uh, later on on our Instagram platform so you can sort of catch up with him and see part of the other work that he's doing. Thank you for choosing the Visions and Tones. Uh, go ye and be great human beings, great versions of yourselves, and we'll see you next time. Cheers.